Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Ryan DeWard is president of Unique Truck Equipment, which provides tools for the trucking industry. Under his leadership, the company has grown through its multi-channel marketing strategies, utilizing best practices and continually expanding its e-commerce footprint. After working in accounting, finance, and banking earlier in his career, Ryan joined Unique Truck as sales manager 15 years ago, was later promoted to vice president, and then acquired the company in 2014. Welcome to I and I, Ryan. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Well, I'm excited to have you. You have quite a journey. We've just talked about a little bit of it, of course, in the introduction. Tell us more about how you've landed in the C-suite of Unique Truck. Sure. Yeah, you mentioned in the uh, introduction there, but uh, my career started out in banking and finance. And uh, in the course of that, I had an opportunity to uh, see different businesses firsthand, how they were run. And I began making plans to uh, potentially one day either start a business or would uh, open up a business and with a partner. And so uh, during the course of that, interaction. Uh, We were interviewing other business owners, trying to get advice from them. We wanted to learn from other people's prior journeys. And during that interview process, one of the gentlemen who I met with was Dick Stilwell, and he was the founder of Unique Truck Equipment. At that time, the company was 10 years old. And uh, so he and I had lunch together. We talked. He answered all the questions I had. And what I wasn't expecting was he also more or less made an offer and said, yeah, I'm actually looking to hire a sales manager. And so while I wasn't necessarily looking and anticipating that, it uh, opened the door. And I spoke with my other friend who would have been my business partner, chatted with him about, hey, is that something that uh, we're going to be able to do because it's not on the table for both of us, but it's still something that is option for me. And so he kind of gave me his blessing and said, if it's meant to be for us to be together, that will happen. And so I uh, accepted the offer there, Unique Truck Equipment, and began working with Dick Stillwell and was the sales manager for several years, eventually promoted. I love to, it. You, yeah. know, I, you know, I'm, I'm reading through your bio here and you've gone from accountant to loan officer to sales and now, of yeah. course, the C-suite. But, yeah. you know, that that first transition... Uh, really from loan officer and accountant to sales, probably was not the easiest one of your career. Talk to us about some of the hurdles um, in really putting on that sales hat, although loan officer is sales too, and really transitioning between the service side of banking to the more, you know, let's face facts, product side of unique truck. Yeah, you're right. The uh, the prior experience in sales certainly helped build the confidence. Um, I had also done a short stint in insurance, which was heavy on the sales side. And so that was enough to have that skill set developed and take a, a plunge like that. But as far as the product knowledge, you're right. I was starting from square one. I didn't have a background as a mechanic. And so there was a uh, a learning curve to uh, gain the knowledge that was needed to you know adequately uh, 
talk about the products with customers and prospects. I love it. Now, how long have you you've been at the helm now? I believe uh, four or five years. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. Okay. How did you transition from more you know upper management leadership to you know CEO of the business? Did your leadership styles change, or did you have to think differently, act differently? Talk to us uh, about that. Sure. I would say that the biggest change uh, happened as the president anticipated his retirement. You know, while I was vice president, I was still the on-site manager and had an opportunity for day-to-day management. And so working alongside with him, you know, all decisions needed to be cleared and or both of us would need to agree to something. Uh, But yeah, once the... um, plan in the transition phase happened, then I was able to put a little bit more of my stamp on it. And, um, you know, that created uh, a lot more freedom to be able to do some of the initiatives that I was interested in as well. Right. Now, what leadership qualities do you think are essential to succeed in today's business climate? I would say honesty uh, and having value-driven decisions. Uh, You know, it's easy to make a profit uh, by cutting corners, but I'm a firm believer in do the right thing, uh, do business the right way. And uh, so that's an important quality, I believe. Now, how do you define your own style? I think it's also important to get buy-in. You know, when you talk about leadership, it's more than just being a manager and having a title, but you you really need to cast the vision and get buy-in from your team. Right. Now, in, in that transitional period when Dick um, had announced his retirement, uh, and there's typically, you know, a year or two, your time period, do you recall, you know, moments and times where you said, okay, I've got to remember something. Um, I've got to remember what Dick just said, or I've got to remember what Dick just did, because that is something that will be important for the future of the business in transitioning leadership styles. Yeah, he, he was very good about uh, mentoring, and he also had lots of uh, different quotes and he still gets quoted to this day, you know, and, you know, what would Dick do? What would Dick say? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So, um, you know, he, his fingerprints are still all over the company as well. And uh, I'm, I know he's proud of what we've done and growing the business the past few years. And I still keep in touch with him on a monthly basis. So we're still friends. That's great. Now, one of your primary roles also is you get you you still stay very involved in marketing. I know that it's a, a it's a real personal passion for you. Um, along with that, you know you've got the marketing folks, um, your internal team members um, that are pushing out plans. Uh, you know you're taking a look at budgets on an annual basis, quarterly basis, the whole nine yards. Um, and along with that, it's difficult sometimes to ultimately say, okay, you know what, we got to push the brakes on this because we're onboarding a new product line that's not selling quickly enough. I mean, all sorts of different scenarios regarding what can impact and strengthen budgets, right? It's mm-hmm. a difficult discussion to have, marketing uh, and, and finance discussions. Do you recall a time um, in your new role where you said, okay, I've been there, I've been asking for the money, or I've been asking for the new product line, whatever it was, and, and you said to yourself, okay, I've, I've been here, I'm going to respond 
um, the way I I need to or I should because this is what they need. This is the you know the 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 decision a CEO now makes instead of the actual VP of marketing. Yeah, that is a interesting transition because when you're the one pitching and saying, "Hey, I want this in order to do my job," then you put the other hat on, and now it's you know more or less your money that's being spent. Uh, you do look at it through a different lens, no doubt. Right. But in both cases, very eloquently you know, stated. By the way, thank you for <laughs> rephrasing my 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 question that way. <laughs> sure, but yeah, in both cases, you want to do what's best for the business, and so you know, if an investment is on the table, um, if the person making that presentation can you know show ROI or show low risk, that's those are usually going to draw my attention to it. So, you know, taking big risks unproven, uh, that's probably not the best way to get something uh, approved if it comes across my desk. But, you know, we we certainly don't only go into things after it's proven. Uh, but if you can have, you know, lower barriers to entry and kind of put your foot in the water first before jumping all the way in, that's, that's kind of how we like to try new things. I, I agree. Now, what are three communication tips that you you've learned about connecting the sales-driven vision that you have, your executive team has, to the more creative components of marketing for your growing brands? Sure. Well, as far as communication, I would say don't be afraid to over-communicate. Keep your people in the loop. The better they understand the vision and the why, uh, the better they're going to be able to define that marketing plan or to, as a salesperson, to, to know what the plan is coming down, you know, then they can get more on board and more a- accurately communicate that with the customer. So that would be one is don't, don't be afraid to over communicate. We have regular meetings with our sales and operations team to make sure that everybody is um, on the same page. And then the other thing, as far as communication, I would just say, give people the ability to ask questions, let them have a voice. Uh, if they don't understand what's going on or why, then it's going to be harder for them to really jump on board. Uh, So creating an environment of transparency. I'm not just looking for a a yes man or woman. Uh, You know, I want people to truly understand and fully embrace what we're doing. I love it. Now you mentioned vision and why. (laughs) And um, of course, uh, this agency is all about um, defining uh, brands wise, companies wise. Talk to us about how you ultimately got to the development of your why and how did you communicate that with your team? Sure. Well, one thing that we are heavily focused on is our customer engagement, customer service. It's more than just the cliche. Uh, We would prioritize our relationships with our customers even above our relationship with our vendors and go to bat, you know, for the customer as necessary. Uh, and so that comes through in all the different people's interaction in, you know, it's great when a customer can give, you know, an online review and mention the interaction they've had or thank a specific employee for the, what they've been able to do for them. So it really is embraced by all the people here that, yeah, we're about uh, making it a positive customer interaction. I love that. Now, what process or what steps do you take to make sure that you're gaining feedback from the customers on the investment that you're making in that communication? Yeah, so we have an online review and customers will get the opportunity to rate their experience uh, about a week after they would purchase something from us. And so they can rate either the product or they can rate us as a company or both. And so we keep track of those ratings and 
we have, I think, a 4.6 out of 5 star rating. And so, you know, not everyone has a, a positive experience, but even when they don't, if we mess up, we make sure and go online and address their issue and, you know, own up to something if we make a mistake and uh, try to explain and, you know, ask for their opportunity to earn their trust again next time. So being, you know, honest about um, the interaction and, you know, thanking customers for the business when they do uh, have a good experience. So we get to engage customers that way. Uh, I love it. That's so important. That constant feedback uh, is completely key. So let's dive into marketing, roll up our sleeves here for a minute and really talk about the integrated uh, sales and marketing approaches that you've deployed. First of all, I'd like to dive into what we consider to be the owned media. Um, Our marketing model here at Avocet is an owned, earned, shared, paid approach. So owned is, you know, your websites, um, your sales collateral. You've got uh, some pretty hefty uh, sales teams as well. Uh, You've got your direct channel online. What are you doing from an owned media standpoint to really back up the sales process to assure um, that the brand is delivered and executed the way that you've really architected it over the last many years? Okay. Yeah. So our, our website certainly has a great exposure, uniquetruck.com, but then we also have a catalog that goes out uh, four times a year. And that's something that has existed from day one. Our company started as a catalog company even before the internet existed. And so <laughs> we haven't uh, done away with the catalog, but it now just complements uh, our online presence. So those are our two main branding and marketing things that we would have going for us. In addition to that, we also attend a variety of trade shows and then also might even do uh, print media magazine ads. And so all of those, we try to have a nice blended approach and you know a consistent message with our, our branding to our customer base. Now, I love the fact that you, you bring up uh, cataloging. Um, certainly, you know the tried and true approaches um, of the past have waxed and waned um, over the last many years, and we've really seen a resurgence of some of those, some of those approaches, such as catalogs, uh, direct mail, you know, print advertising. You mentioned all those. How has that affected your business over time? And talk to us rather about the importance of maintaining um, those tried and true approaches as a part of your integrated marketing mix. Yeah, when we first started, you know, catalog was all we had, and it was more of a shotgun approach. So we just mailed it to anybody and everybody to grow our customer base. Now we acquire most of our new customers online, and then we would use the catalog for customer retention. So uh, as opposed to, you know, sending direct mail to try to gain the business, now we're able to do that more cost-effectively through online media. And then again, the catalog would be used for current customers and customer retention. How much of your uh, business is actually conducted online now versus years past? Or even just give us a percentage of maybe how much it's increased year over year. Yeah, we're about 60% online. And so, yeah, we've seen that increase maybe about 5% per year for the past three, four years. So it's certainly a growing part of our uh, business model. That's great. Now, talk to us more about the integrated um, approaches, uh, maybe even shared and earned approaches that you've deployed and, and maybe what has worked and what hasn't with the entire integrated mix. 
Okay. So by shared, uh, one of the things that we have done is incorporated our, our relationship with our vendors, and we've asked them to uh, contribute towards some of our marketing efforts. And so due to our good relationship we have with them and kind of proven track record, they've even been able to uh, contribute toward some of our both online and the uh, catalog. So um, we would, you know, have a common goal of increase marketing exposure and brand recognition for a particular uh, company. And so their name along with ours tends to uh, create good results. That's great. Now, one of Avocet's covert strategies is a process that we refer to as competitive intercept. Mm -hmm. Competitive intercepting allows a brand to intercept a customer while they're engaging with the competition. Could you please provide an example of how you've used a similar approach? Sure. Well, uh, Google has uh, AdWords and they also allow for keywords. And so that's one way that uh, if somebody is searching for either a brand or a product, um, and if somebody was searching for a competing product, uh, we can still make ourselves visible. And so we might be able to, quote unquote, intercept that. Um, now, a click still doesn't necessarily translate into a sale, but we can at least uh, intentionally make ourselves visible when somebody's searching for something like that. I'd say another way that we do it is we do offer price matching. So if somebody does go online and shops it and says, hey, you know, unique, I know and I like you, but I can get it cheaper here somewhere else. Can you honor that price? Uh, as long as I can do so profitably, then we, we like to do that. And uh, asking our customers to you know, give us the final opportunity to quote on something increases the odds that we'll be able to you know, retain that business. Yeah, I think that's so important. Now, you mentioned trade show earlier, uh, which is so important as um, a part of a very, very strong integrated sales strategy. How have you seen the sales floor change over the last many years? Well, our uh, the trade shows that we attend are... Some of them might be doing business on the floor, as you say, and others are just for branding purposes only. You're there to foster relationships and you're not actually making sales at the show. Uh, so, you know, we have seen a broader variety of shows that are available out there. And so we've went to more shows this year than we have any of the other years before. So it's partly our choice and increased investment into that. But then you also see new players and new cities uh, that are trying to draw full and businesses into the uh, heavy duty trucking industry. I love it. Um, I'm looking forward, uh, and I need to let everyone know at this uh, stage, we are also uh, conducting a second interview uh, with the marketing lead, uh, Ryan's marketing lead at Unique Truck Equipment. His name is Byron Holderman. And so you will be able to tune in to learn more of the very, very integrated online approach um, that they uh, deploy to Unique Truck. I just want to give that quick plug here um, before we go into the next uh, set of challenges questions. What do you feel is one of the biggest challenges you face in creating a loyal customer base? Well, I mentioned pricing there before, and I would say that is one of the biggest challenges. You know, the convenience of being able to shop for anything online, we really try to avoid what they call the race to the bottom and or the Amazon effect. It can tend to 
train people and condition them to always look for lowest price, lowest price. So keeping loyalty um, amongst the competitive pressures is a challenge and uh, trying to, um, you know, let customers know that, okay, yeah, you can get it a couple dollars cheaper, but you know, you're going to get a good experience with us. Um, you know, some are understand that and willing to pay a, a higher price, fair price for that extra additional service and others, uh, it's a little more cutthroat and you, you might not he- hear from them again in a while until, um, you know, they, they find that you're the cheapest out there again. Right. And, and I think the service that you've worked so hard to create ultimately brings them back as well. That's probably a very, very difficult thing for the Amazon of the world to deliver is that true. that true one-on-one customer service. Yep. Yeah. When you call our number, you're going to speak to a human and you don't yeah. have to go looking through multiple layers of uh, voicemail and FAQs. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. So they do appreciate being able to, to work directly with us. That's great. Now, what is one of the most difficult scenarios you've encountered in your role and how did you overcome it? One of the current challenges that uh, is still happening to this day is online fraud. So people, you know, steal credit cards and try to claim identities. And so continuing to keep an eye out for that kind of a thing is uh, continues to be a challenge. There's different ways that we can prevent it, and we try that, but at times it feels like whack-a-mole. As soon as you stop one way, they come up with a new creative way to try to uh, cheat you and right. uh, get products that they're not paying for. Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> uh, so let's dive into some additional strategies here. What one strategy or process have you implemented that if CEOs and their teams could consistently apply every day would result into big wins for them? I would say know your people and what motivates them. You know, everyone is different and it's not always just compensation that uh, everyone's looking for. Some people, they're looking for verbal praise. Other people just want uh, flexible schedules and the ability to balance their home life and and work life. And so um, if you understand what motivates your different people and you're able to respond accordingly, um, that's going to go a long way to, you know, creating happy employees. Yeah, I'm sure that you're creating happy employees over there. So what do you want to be known for, Ryan DeWard? I would say integrity, you know, to be someone who's honest, uh, a man of my word, avoid deception and hidden agendas. Uh, So I've been accused of being too blunt before, but I would rather say what's on my mind and have people know exactly what I'm thinking instead of uh, trying to guess, you know, where I'm coming from or what, what I might be trying to do behind the scenes. Yeah, that's never fun. Ryan DeWard, you've shared so much insight with us today. I love your leadership style and your entrepreneurial spirit. And let's not forget some very wise words that you shared with us today. Don't be afraid to over-communicate and give people the ability to ask questions so that you can hear their, their voice. Transparency is an impactful thing within an organization. Thank you for your appearance on the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Thank you. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.